0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com.
1: Ah, you guys, does anybody else find it ironic that um, the shortest adult in our congregation was asked to talk about Zacchaeus this morning? (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was not um, lost on me. I think that's hilarious. (laughs) Who could understand Zacchaeus more than, oh, I know somebody. It's cool, it's cool, it's all right. Sorry, I'm going to get into my notes here. So actually, I'm, of course, totally joking. Um, I think, I think I may have been set up. But um, <laughs> uh, I'll get to that. Uh, so in my huddle, we call it our snuggle, it's our discipleship group um, with our fearless leader, Tracy Fountain. She delegated some homework. Um, and... Wow. Which, first of all, I want to say, I have been loving this series. This series has been so wonderful. Haven't you guys been loving it? Oh, my gosh, getting a picture at Jesus and how he interacts. And actually, the homework was actually looking at how Jesus interacted with people, the people around him. And I got a sign, Zacchaeus. Oh, I did not. I did? Oh, maybe I just felt like we know each other. Me and Zacchaeus are like this. Okay. That's funny. All right. I forgot that detail. All right. So... I'm really excited to share because um, I read the text several times. And you guys, I grew up in the church, so I know the story of Zacchaeus. I have flashbacks of the flannel graph that dates me totally of him, like, you know, climbing up in the tree. Um, So when I read this, I really had to stop and ask the Holy Spirit, like, there's more to this story, and I want to really get it. So I had to read it a few times, and I really felt like in the 10th time I read it, he revealed some really beautiful things that I'm so excited to share. And the main reason I'm excited to share is because I think everyone in here can actually relate to Zacchaeus and his story. I think we can relate to his struggles and his challenges, and I think we can ultimately relate to how Jesus encountered him and really, truly transformed his life. Does that sound fun? Yeah? Okay, who's pumped up? You guys, I need some energy. Yeah, okay. Ooh, thank you. Okay, so we're going to start by reading the text together. Um, this is Luke 19, 1 through 10, and I don't have it in my notes, so I'll be... Here's what I want you to do. Okay, I'm going to give you two options. You can either read along as I read, if that's better for you. Hi, Toya. Um, Or you can actually, I do better if I actually visualize the story. It gives me a whole new dimension to what's happening. So whichever way you learn, close your eyes and picture it as I'm reading, or read along silently with me. And let's read the story of Zacchaeus. So, and Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. And there was a man called Zacchaeus a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Um, He was trying to see Jesus, which which one he was, but he could not on account of the crowd because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus reached the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down, and he received and welcomed him joyfully. And when the people saw it, they all muttered among themselves and indignantly complained, he has gone in to be the guest of an, and lodge with a man who is, a devoted, is devoted to sin and permanently a sinner. Okay. So then Zacchaeus stood up and solemnly declared to the Lord, see, Lord, the half of my goods I now give by the way of restoration to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I now restore four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today uh, salvation has come to all the members of this household, since Zacchaeus too is a real spiritual son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. Amen. All right. I know that I already got prayed for, but I need help, man, so I'm going to pray again. I'm going to pray for all of us here, so let's bow our heads. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your example and your words and your actions, and how you interact, and how you are so tender. And I just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you reside on each one of us that says yes to Jesus, and that you are here, and that you are present, and that you are moving in the hearts of all of us today. So we just want to say that you are welcome and invited to do what you want to do this morning. I pray that I want your help. You are my helper, and I receive that from you this morning. Your way be done. We thank you so much for what you're about to do. Amen. Okay, so how many of us grew up knowing the song about Zacchaeus? Yeah. Okay. Zacchaeus was a a wee little man, was he? Yes. Okay. So um, I think actually that has always been very interesting. And when I started reading the text, something that was very profound to me. So I have a question for you guys. Um, we're going to talk about Zacchaeus' physical and his emotional condition a little bit to kind of give you the backstory on him. So if you met somebody who had a genetic or medical condition that would cause them to be low in stature or in size, what would that be? We're going to use PC terms here, okay? Today, if we met somebody who is described in that way, who had a medical condition, what would they have? Dwarfism, thank you. You guys, I am pretty convinced. I can't be 100% certain. But we know that this was written by Luke, who was a physician. And when we say low in stature, if you look that up in the dictionary as a description for dwarfism, dwarfism, that's what they use. So he was most likely had dwarfism. So why is this important? Because I always thought flanagraphs, it was just a very short man, right? That's a little different. So looking at some of the cultural norms back then and also going into verse nine, Jesus actually says that Zacchaeus was a descendant of Abraham, which we know means that he was Jewish. Okay, you guys following me? So he was Jewish. So the culture at the time, because they were under Old Covenant behaviors, when anybody had a genetic disorder, a medical condition, an illness, a sickness, they were actually seen as a sinner. Like it was caused by sin in either their lives or in their family's ancestry. Does that make sense? OK, so what happened then is if you were automatically born with a genetic condition, you were looked down upon. You guys following me? Like this is just the way it was. So if you had a disorder, you were looked at as re- actually rejectable. There's, there's a reason you are the way you are. There's a reason because your parents did something or somebody did something. Does that make sense? So the cultural, was, the cultural norm was very different then. So he actually was literally born into rejection and shame. Has anybody ever thought about this with Zacchaeus? It's kind of wild. And I think it really gives us a picture at why he acted the way he acted. So you guys, when we are rejected, rejection says things like you are unlovable, you don't belong here. Has anybody ever felt that before? Come on, don't be shy. Yes, we've all felt that, right? Rejection's a thing. Um, Shame tells us things like, you are not enough. Has anybody had that tape playing in their head, what I do is enough, what I'll never be enough, it's never going to be good enough. Um, there, or there is something wrong with you. Do you think he ever felt like there was something wrong with him? Have you ever felt like something? You don't have to raise your hand. But I've definitely felt like there's something wrong with me before. And it really changed the way I acted with other people and the way I presented myself to the world and how I lived life. And so I think we can all kind of connect on that, on that point with him. He probably thought things like, literally, I'll never measure up. So what are some things that we know about Zacchaeus other than his stature? You guys rem- let's go back to the scriptures. Do you guys remember? Shout out what else he was. What else do we know about Zacchaeus? What was his occupation? He was a chief tax collector. So you guys, he was climbing the corporate ladder. He wasn't just like, Whatever, I'll do this tax thing on the side. He had people underneath him. He had to build his way up. That's a tenacious person, right? Um, What else do we know about him? He had money. Yes. So he was rich. Um, They said he was a notorious sinner, possibly a cheat and a robber because he said he was going to give back what he took, right? This was not a nice man, was it? Not so much. But what I want us to look at is when rejection drives us, you guys, has has anybody ever felt a gaping hole in your heart? Come on. Yes. I've had this conversation with my daughter lately because I felt the same thing when I was a kid, and she'd come to me. She's like, I have this hole in my heart. I'm like, honey, I know it's going to fill that, but it's going to take some time with the Lord to really fill that up. But we've all felt that, that deficit, that something I've met so many people in my life, and I'm sure you can relate to this, that when people make choices and do the things that they do, have you ever thought there's a reason? Even with the really hard ones, right? There's a reason people do what they do. There's a reason I act the way I act, or right? I act out of my own woundedness, really. You guys following? Yeah. So I don't just act like a jerk. There's actually a reason that I'm acting this way, right? I'm not saying it's right. What other people do is not OK. But I'm saying there's always something Back there. And so for Zacchaeus, if he was functioning out of, I'm going to climb the corporate ladder, and you know what? I'm going to get love, and I may not get acceptance, but I'll get respect. Look what he did. So he wasn't, nobody was really a big fan of him. But can we kind of have some compassion for where he's coming from? Yes. Okay. So I want to get into, I mean, I, I feel like there's, and that we all can also relate with the things that we grab for in those places of woundedness, right? So maybe it's shopping. That's been me in the past for sure. Um, My husband, is he in here? No, he had to go good. He's probably like, yes, thank God that's over. Um, ah, Food, relationships, Netflix, success, money, all those things, right? So those are things that we grab for whenever we're feeling that. So I want to talk about Zacchaeus' encounter with Jesus, but in order to do that, um, we, I want to talk about Jesus a little and, and kind of go on a little bit of bunny trail, but we'll come back, okay? You ready to go with me? Ready? Let's do this. Okay, so I want to talk about, um, in actually, can you put up Luke, uh, the verses, the first set of verses, please? So we're going to look at verse 5 again. So when Jesus reached that place, he looked up and said to him, sorry, uh, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. I'm staying at your house today. Well, I grew up in this filter of well, Jesus is God, right? Which he is. He's very much God. But I always looked at it as he knew Zacchaeus' name because he was God. And when I went and read through the scripture that 10th time or whatever it was, that stood out to me. And the reason that stood out with to me is because, yes, he was divine. He didn't have sin, but he was also extremely human. And so he's fully, you know, fully God, fully man. But that stopped me in my tracks, and I started to go back, because I've kind of been on this journey of, of um, really getting to know the Holy Spirit and how he interacts and works in our lives. So this story, you guys, is really about us, us seeing ourselves through the eyes of Zacchaeus, and us seeing us, ourselves through the eyes of Jesus, because we're both, aren't we? We are the hands and feet of Jesus, and we're also receiving the healing and the love of Jesus. Okay. so. I'm going to take you guys back to Luke 3, 21 through 22. We're going to go back to the beginning of Jesus's ministry. And so we're going to read this set of verses here. And mine may look a little different, so I'm going to read this one. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven saying, You are my son, my beloved. In you I am well pleased and find delight. So right here... Who came down, who descended onto Jesus? Holy Spirit, Yep. He was like a dove. He wasn't a dove, I promise, but he was like a dove. So Holy Spirit came, and then you guys, most of you know the story, but he went into the wilderness, right? And he was tempted by the enemy, and he resisted the enemy, and the enemy left. And then it says in the scripture that he came out in power, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Okay, and you guys, in the scripture, this is where we see Jesus' ministry start. He knew God before then because we know as a, as a young boy that he was, he was encountering him in the temple. But his ministry started. The power came after the Holy Spirit descended. Now, what I'm trying to get at here is that when we, like, Jesus actually, the Holy Spirit is who we get in who Jesus got in order to have communion with God as a human. Does that make sense? So in order for us to have communion with God, we get who do we get? Holy Spirit. Who did Jesus have? What, and the things that he's called us to do would be impossible without the Holy Spirit, right? So what I'm trying to get at here is that Jesus could he was God, but there was a part of the Holy Spirit played in him actually having the knowledge he had. And something I wanted to bring up, too, as we look at scriptures, you guys all, you're you're good? We're okay? I know what I'm saying is a little out there for some of us. But um, what I like to remember or I love is that when Jesus actually left to go be with the Father, do you remember who he gave us was Holy Spirit? And I love this set of verses in John 16, 7, where he says, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away for i do not go away for if i do not go away the helper and i don't know if it has yes it does i love how they describe the holy spirit he is our comforter he is our advocate he is our intercessor he is our counselor he is our strengthener and our standby he will not come to you but if i go i will send him the holy spirit to you to be in close fellowship with you and then what did they do they waited and then pentecost happened and they got what they were waiting for and we can see, actually, how the disciples drastically changed. We saw Peter, was Peter, like, what did Peter act like at the crucifixion, after the crucifixion was happening? Was he, go ahead. Fearful. Fearful. yes. He wasn't very brave, was he? He was a little cowardly. And then after the Holy Spirit came, there was quite the change. He was standing up to people that were like, you guys are drunk. And he's like, no, I'm going to tell you what this is. He was emboldened by the Holy Spirit. So we have something very beautiful when we say yes to that. And I think often as believers, and I'm saying this for myself too, we don't acknowledge the good things that we have in Jesus because of what he's done for us. And I think that really hinders us in a lot of ways. And so let's actually look at verse Philemon 1.6. It's one of my favorite life verses. This is something I you know, say in the mirror when I'm trying to build myself up. <laughs> but it says, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective and powerful because of your accurate knowledge of every good thing that is is ours in Christ. So this is basically saying that your faith is effective, like you get to act like Jesus, walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, when you acknowledge the good things that are in you because of him, and that is the gift of the Holy Spirit. So this is how we are empowered to walk this thing out. You guys following me? On my bunny trail, Now let's get back to the encounter. So here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that Jesus was ministering to Zacchaeus by the power of the Holy Spirit through the gift of prophecy. So there's a subset of the gift of prophecy called the word of knowledge. Has anybody ever heard that before? Yes, a word of knowledge is the prophecy. The prophetic actually, there's lots of layers to it. There's different ways it's expressed, but one way that it's expressed is through a word of knowledge, and that's where something is dropped into your spirit that you would not normally know about somebody else. And it's typically used to encourage and minister love to that person and make them feel really like seen by God. So think about this: if Jesus was functioning with in communion with the Holy Spirit, and He get a, He doesn't just know Zacchaeus' name because He's God. He knew it because Holy Spirit gave him a word of knowledge. And what did that do to Zacchaeus? Amen. Yes, I love the interaction. Thank you so much. Oh, my goodness, you guys. This is huge. This is why the prophetic is so powerful. It's meant to encourage. I mean, I think sometimes we think of things like, um, you know, hellfire and brimstone and people are calling out your dirty laundry. And that is not what the prophetic is used for. It's meant to encourage and equip the saints and it's meant to encourage our, who are our pre-believers. So what I love about this, um, we're going to go to, uh, okay, no, actually. So we're just going to sit there in a minute. So he felt seen, right? So let me think about this. There's this tender moment where Zacchaeus' name was called out, and he probably thought, oh, crap. I mean, seriously, he was probably like, oh, no. <gasps> this is like, you know, this is the guy everybody's talking about, and he's saying my name. And not only does he say his name, he says, Zacchaeus, get down here, because I get to come to your house. I want to hang out with you. That was a very intimate thing. Dinner and eating together was saying that you are, you are totally in with that person. So what a powerful thing for this man who felt rejected, shame-filled, who had done probably a lot of not so great things, to feel loved and accepted, and the Messiah himself says, I see you, and I want to spend time with you, and I want to know you, and what I love is that I don't think that this happened right away. I think they had dinner together. I think they spent time together, and then we go to verse 8 in Luke, and what is happening here? Zacchaeus says, see, Lord, I am now giving away half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will give it back four times as much. Is this an action of somebody who feels guilty? I used to think that all the time, like, oh, he just met Jesus and went, oh. I better, I better do the right thing now because somebody's watching. You guys, I know I've shared this before, but um, my mom used to have this plaque in her bathroom that says, um, wash your hands and say your prayer, prayers because Jesus and germs are everywhere. <laughs> and it's funny, <laughs> but it's not accurate. I mean, to a degree. Yes, he does see everything, but is he seeing it to watch and see what you're doing wrong or is he trying to call out something in you that he sees You guys get what I'm saying? I mean, there's such a difference there. And there's a switch, you guys. I have some religion I gotta get out of my system because I grew up underneath that idea. And I'm not seeing it in Jesus at all. I'm not seeing it here at all. And this man's heart has been changed, not just his actions. He's not working his way around going, I need to do this in order to be okay with Jesus. He met Jesus, was seen and heard by him, and changed because he got the real thing and realized he was holding on to the counterfeit that whole time. And that wasn't it. And he got it. OK, now I'm going to share with you guys a personal story, if that's OK. We're all friends here. Actually, I have some family and friends here that have not heard this story. Um, so this is pretty uh, vulnerable for me. But I think it's really important, because I think that it does relate to Zacchaeus' story. Is that OK if I share? We're all, we're all family here, right? OK, so. Um, Actually, I want to know, are there any teenagers here? Raise your hand if you're a teenager. I see a little group over here. Yeah, girls, yeah. Okay. Um, (laughs) So my first encounter with Jesus that completely transformed the trajectory of my life was when I was 13 years old. And I'm going to tell you that story because I think it's super powerful. Um, He's encountered me several times definitely since then, and it's also shifted the trajectory of my life, but I think this is really important. I'm going to back up a little further, though. It was at a uh, a winter camp. I went through with my youth group, but I need to back up a little bit to give you some backstory. Because I was in a very hurt and wounded place when I was 13. So, um, when I was 11, I, was, I had some memories coming up that I didn't know what they were. And I was confused. And so, uh, one being in particular, I had a memory of being at the doctor's office and uh, my mom being very upset and me just not knowing what, why I was there. And the reason that's very weird is because my mom was very granola. You guys know what I mean? Like, she was doing organic before organic was a thing. We didn't have sugar in our house. We never went to the doctor. We went to naturopaths and chiropractors. So that memory stood out to me, and I brought it up to her a few times. And I said, Mom, I have this memory. And the other thing that sealed the deal for me was that I, they gave me this, like, Bernstein Bears puzzle, and I had that in our house for, like, two years. You know, so I knew that I didn't make, up, make it up. And so I kept asking her, I said, what was that about? And finally, I think I asked her enough that she decided to tell me, and she sat me down with her counselor. And she said, "Um, well, when you were younger, quite little, I was probably about three years old, um, you had told me about some abuse that was happening with a man in your church. So that was shocking to her. And she didn't know what to do with that information, so she took me to the doctor to have a physical. And that was what I was remembering. Now, my dynamic with my mom is, was interesting. Um, it was more of a flipped, like my, I was the mom. I made sure mom was OK. So she was very upset telling me this story. And I could tell I had a lot of guilt. So I was given that information with her and the counselor, and then left with that information. And I never asked about it again, because she felt so bad. And so I was left with two years in my adolescence of really struggling with, I had a ton of questions about it. I, I was confused. I was having other memories that was kind of piecing it together, but I felt very lost. I think I felt a sense of shame over it as well, unbeknownst to me. Um, but there was a lot of things contributing to some pain. And just to give you another little background, my, my home life was kind of tumultuous. It wasn't a great situation. So there was a lot of things going on inside. And so um, heading into those next two years, I was convinced that what would solve all my problems, which some of the ladies may attest to, I thought what would solve all my problems is having somebody who loved me, is getting that love from another a boy. I thought I, if, that, if I got that, then I'd be OK. Then I wouldn't feel so yucky. Maybe I wouldn't feel so like, out of place if I had somebody who loved me. So I kind of looked for that for two years, for sure. Um, just wanted attention. There was actually, this is really, I, it, it's going to get funny. So this will be fun. There was actually a boy in sixth grade that I really had a crush on. And uh, for a year and a half, that's a long time. That was like a huge part of my life, like right there, like that little chunk. And we went on winter camp. And I think he was getting the drift that I was. he was just not interested. And I was like, hey, can I sit by you? His name is Andy. I'm not going to shield names here. Um, And he's like, "Uh, no, actually, so-and-so is sitting here, but, you know, my brother, you could sit by my brother. And I was like, oh, I think I get the picture now. And I was like, well, maybe his brother. Like, I was kind of like that. It's like, sure, whatever. Okay. So I sat next to Donald. Donald was not interested in girls at all. It was hilarious. So I sat next to him the whole ride up there. He was asleep on his pillow the whole time. And when he woke up, he had a drool spot bigger than his head. And I just looked over, and I went, no, I'm good. I'm good. Well, I'll find somebody else. It's all right. Anyway, I was looking for something to heal me. And I, I, didn't, I just knew it was out there. But I thought that was it. So um, anyway, that night, the first night of this youth camp, um, our youth pastor got up and preached on uh, the prodigal son. And I'm, I'm not going to lie, it was a great message, but the Holy Spirit was there in a way that I never experienced. And the whole room at the end of the night started bawling, like kids just crying, crying, sobbing. I just want to take a, a break because I did want to say this to my teenagers in the room. Um, you guys are so important and such a part of this body. And I, I want you to know that um, you're just as a part as an adult. <laughs> Because your experience is starting now with Holy Spirit. And it's very real. And it's laying the foundations for moving forward. And it's not any different than my experiences with him. Because clearly, at 13, I had a profound experience with him that is still very powerful to me. And I just want you guys to know that you're our next generation that's rising up. And you will do amazing things and see powerful miracles. um, Because you guys are are ready for it and aren't jaded, (laughs) it's going to be good. Like you guys, my age, I'm considered a rabbi. Did you guys know that the disciples were teenagers? Did anybody hear that? The disciples were probably between 15 and 20 years old. That puts a different perspective. You guys are awesome. Anyway, okay, back to my story. Isn't it fun? Okay, so um, the Holy Spirit hit, and the whole room starts, I mean, they start like dropping like flies, crying, sobbing. Holy Spirit is present and working in the hearts of these kids. And I'm standing there, and I got my eyes closed, and I'm like, I don't need to cry. I don't need to cry. I don't need to cry. And I... physically felt something touch my chest, and I broke, and I sobbed on the floor, and I sobbed, and I sobbed, and it was like all the pain came out, and all this love came in, and it was so profound, and I I had a good relationship with our youth pastor and his wife. I would babysit for them, and they saw that I just couldn't get it together, (laughs) so they're like, maybe we should walk over and talk to this girl, and so they brought me in a room, and we prayed, and I knew Jesus was present, and he healed some stuff in me that I mean, that seems like some of that story doesn't seem like my story anymore. It's so healed. Does that make sense? Like, he just took it. Um, and so it changed a lot. Uh, my friends thought I was weird after that because <laughs> I didn't care about boys. I didn't care about anything but, like, knowing him more. And I have nothing, it was nothing to do with me. Like, Jesus met me in my woundedness, and he healed me, and I then turned into a weirdo, which was great. Um <laughs> Because I loved him so much. Um, and I share that because it reminds me of Zacchaeus and how Holy Spirit met him in that place. And I'm sure all we are, have a room full of experiences with Jesus that have changed us, that have, that have made us into the, who we are today. And if you haven't had an experience with Jesus, oh, you wait. We're going to bring it on later. It's going to be fun. Um, because it's really important that we we encounter him because it's not just knowing about him in the word, which is so powerful too, but it's about experiencing life with him and letting him touch those areas of our life. Thank you guys for letting me share that. I want to go now to um, verse 9 and 10 with Jesus. And I think something that I would like us to go back to and talk about is, you know, not that Jesus sees all in terms of he sees it all, like he's watching you, but he sees the trajectory of our, he sees the narrative of our lives. He sees the pain and the woundedness and why we make the decisions. It's not, it's not surprising to him why we make the decisions we make, right? And he loves us so much that he doesn't want us to stay in those places. Guys, come on, yep, yeah, amen. He loves us so much that he wants that stuff healed out. So let's go to these verses here, and I love what Jesus says in verses nine and 10. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Today, salvation has come to this household because he too is a spiritual son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and save that which is lost. Now, I used to read that and go, Jesus was like, oh, I'm just so glad that salvation has come to this household. That's not how he said it. I believe he was grabbing the face of Zacchaeus and going, you are why I came. You are why I came. I came to seek and save you. And I love the verses, too, that kind of combat, like, when we're, our identity is taken because we think we need to be certain things, the, the word also says in 1 John 3, 8, I'll go there, and I don't have it in my notes. Okay, but it's the verse that says what Jesus came to do. So he came to seek and save the lost, and he also came, uh, that's not the right one, is it? All right, that's okay. But he says, I've come to destroy the works of the enemy. So what? I mean, if he's come to seek and save the lost and destroy the works of the enemy, it means we have an identity issue. We've had it given away. And anything that steals, kills, and destroys, he's out to get. He's out to get it in your life. And, I mean, can you just see Jesus with a twinkle in his eye and, like, this passion in his voice, and he was just, like, holding your face? And be like, you are the reason I came. It's so beautiful. Can I get an amen? That's awesome. Okay, you guys. So I'm, a li- Ooh, I'm only five minutes over. We're doing okay. I would like to call the worship team up here, please. We're going to have some time in response. I don't know what, what the Lord's doing in your heart. Whatever it is, it's good. Um, I first want to say, you know, to anybody here who has not said yes to Jesus yet, who has not um, accepted that invitation. And man, does he look good right now. Um, He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. Why don't every head bowed, every eye closed right now, let's just get into a position of receiving from the Holy Spirit together. So anybody in here that um, would love to to give your life away to Jesus and trust him with that? Um, if you, if that's you, would you raise your hand right now? Everybody's head is bowed and eyes closed, so there's no... Anybody here? Amen. I see that. Amen. I see that. Thank you. Anybody else? Amen. I see that. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. So any of you that just raised your hand, I would like to send an invitation for you after the service to come up to me or meet with Shannon, and we'll walk you through that prayer, okay? Oh, thank you, Lord. Please don't leave without that. We're going to have some response time here. We're going to walk through three steps to freedom together. So I'm going to ask you, we're going to pray and ask Holy Spirit something, okay, together. So get your hearts in a posture of receiving from him. Um, He is our great helper. So Holy Spirit, we ask right now, that you show us each one thing that is causing us residual harm or relational harm. And I say right now that the Holy Spirit is very clear. He's not Our God is not the God of confusion. He's the God of clarity. And he will show you one thing that is causing you harm right now that he wants you to focus on and he wants to heal out. So I'm going to give you a few minutes with him to speak. having a conversation with him, that's okay. I'm going to move on to step two. We're going to ask him to reveal the root of whatever that is. Okay, Holy Spirit, we just ask for you, our great helper, to show us where that came from. What causes that? Where did it come from? Where did it start? What am I believing that makes me act this way? To look for love here or there? What is it? And if he's speaking to you, just lean into him. We're going to move on to step three. If you have that thing, you know what's kind of causing that behavior. He's highlighted that to you. Now, you have to be an active participant in this part. So um, I'm going to ask you, if you feel ready, to give that to him. So if you're visual, close your eyes. I want you to picture Jesus in front of you. If you're not, get your hands in a posture of release. We're going to wait on him and we're going to listen. What does he say about you in this area? It may be a word or a picture or a feeling or a knowing. We trust you, Holy Spirit. We thank you for what you're doing. Sometimes it helps me to picture putting that thing in a box and handing it to Jesus. Or it can be messy. Just giving it to those trusted hands that want to take that from you and heal you from that. Thank you so much that you've done everything to love us and give us the tools we need. I thank you for what you're doing right now in the hearts of the people that you came to save, Jesus. I thank you that you see it all, you know it all, and you have nothing but love and compassion in your heart towards each and every one of us and you're so intimate and you speak so profoundly it could be one word but when it comes from you it changes everything nothing else in this world can give us that and you freely give it have your way here I'm just going to speak some things out as I feel it and hear it I just command um, fear. If you identify with fear, release that and give that to Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we command fear to fall off this room, every single one. I see rejection. If rejection has followed you, you feel rejectable. I take up my authority and cast that off in Jesus' name. Give it to Jesus. If you don't want that anymore, say, I don't want it, and give it to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Any shame, anyone that feels like there's inherently something wrong with them, there's something wrong with me. I'm not enough. I take up my authority over that shame. In the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you need to leave now. Give it to Jesus, say, I don't want it anymore. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are working in our hearts, and you will continue to work in our hearts throughout today and throughout our week. And that you are the God of freedom. And you're the God of power. And this stuff doesn't have a hold on us. And whatever's hindering us in our past, you will break it off in Jesus' name. And that we get to step into our sonship and we get to step into our daughtership in confidence. That you see us and you hear us and you want to fulfill all of those areas of our hearts that are aching and empty and and unwhole. So I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would fall upon each one in this room. I pray for your peace, the shalom that comes with you, Jesus, to fall on each and every head right now. From the top of their head to the bottom of their feet that they would feel your presence of peace. Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace and we embrace you. We embrace the love that we can't get from anywhere else. house is this supposed to go. You guys just take your time. I think we're going to move into communion and prayer. I don't know if you want to lead that, Shannon. Thank you.
0: God's still calling people down out of sick mortuaries today. feel like you're climbing a tree that that's kind of the way that you live life and you're just hanging out in the tree. You're trying to see something that you're not trying to see. You're, like, You're Look for ways to fill that hole in your heart that you feel and like getting your eyes on Jesus and letting him see you is where it starts. Letting him see you and letting him call your name because he knows it and he's calling you down. You may have encountered that even this morning right now just as Crystal led and I encourage you, like if you got questions, seek those out. Get at them. God loves hard questions and grappling. If you if you're at a point though where you've been questioning, 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 what you need to do is just kind of give up control. Then do that. If God's asking you, just 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 open up to me and let me have you. Then respond to that. Jesus is still calling people out of trees today. We're going to turn to a time of communion where we remember and we celebrate who Jesus is and what he did. That he came in that last supper that he celebrated with his uh, disciples, his closest friends, before before he was murdered, before he was crucified, where he gave his life. He sat down for dinner and with his friends, he said, he took the bread and he said, this is my body which is given for you. And as you eat this, I want you to remember me do it do it remembering me never forget the times over and over and over through the bible where it says remember where you've come from remember the god who saves remember the god who leads and jesus takes the bread and he says remember what i'm giving and so we follow that and then he took the cup with the wine and he held it up and he gave thanks to god and he says this is the blood of the new covenant." And God showed up in the Old Testament and he gave the covenant and says this is what it looks like to have right standing with me and he was doing it as a gift so that people could understand that they could never do enough to be made right with God God had to come and do it God had to give it and God had to fulfill the covenant himself in ways that we couldn't do and so when Jesus says this is the blood of the new covenant what he's saying is I'm making it all true I'm doing what you can't do I'm giving it to you for free and he said drink it I want you to I want you to take this in to remember the promise that I'm giving you remember the life that I'm giving you and I want you to continue to receive it and so as the worship team leads and as we as we follow up with worship open the word hear the word encounter Jesus and our response is worship we want to sing we want to call out we want to continue to receive but we want to exalt Jesus And I'm inviting you to come up and take the elements uh, as a way to remember the sacrifice of Jesus and the life that he offers now. And we'll worship together.